Welcome to the Sprint to Profit podcast with Kirsty and Isaac. If you are an Amazon seller looking to grow your business with some of the latest tactics and strategies, along with some great guidance for your overall business, then you are in the right place. So pay attention and if needed, take notes. Let's get started. Hey everybody, welcome to the Sprint to Profit podcast for Amazon sellers. In this episode, we're going to be reviewing the major learnings we have discovered over the last few weeks to help you see from our perspective and the perspective of the clients we work with, what are some of the biggest learnings from the top strategies and the challenges we had to overcome from the 2020 holiday season. Yeah, that's right. So hopefully you guys by now have seen some awesome sales uplifts in this Christmas period. We all know that this period is one of the best times to be selling. Uh, but we also know there've been some big challenges as well, right? So we've had to overcome a lot of that stuff, but generally... You know, learnings are always good, whether they're, you know, from a bad situation or a good situation. So what we like to do, we like to do a quick recap every quarter, especially in these key selling periods, just because what you learn can be gold and not only set you up for a better year next year, but also, you know, hopefully make you a better business person as well, right? Because the more we can overcome this stuff, the better it's going to be for you and your business. So we've got our top eight key learnings from the last quarter of 2020, and we'd love to share them with you today. We've got some surprises from Amazon's ever-changing rules and also the long-term impact of the COVID-19 pandemic on FBA businesses, which is actually a good thing because we've seen massive increases in sales, as we know, massive increases across e-commerce in general. But with Amazon being the key player, we know that they're actually taking a lot of those sales, which is good news for us as Amazon sellers. So here's a quick rundown from our top eight. So number one, Amazon FBA inventory restrictions changed often, as we know. Of course, it can cause those restock issues, but it also forced us to be creative about fulfillment. Number two, using a request a review button works really well to get a lot of review ratings during peak sales periods. Now we know that this works well, but especially in this period. Number three, due to COVID-19, holiday shopping started earlier. So that meant that the season went longer than usual. Number four, timing a launch actually with this, with this sales uptake in mind, so from October, can actually lead to an accelerated and profitable launch right away. Number five, having a great PPC system will help dominate the competition and catapult your sales. Number six, planning ahead and accurate forecasting will help you avoid running out of stock and also have your logistics plan to have your FBA stock refilled is also crucial as well. And number seven, page one organic ranking for your main keywords is still a sure way to get profitable sales through this period. And number eight, Price testing, not discounting, is a great way to maximize your sales and profit. So we're going to go through these in a lot more detail as well. Yeah, I can just imagine people are scribbling them down as fast as they can right now. Like, what did she say? We'll, we'll go back. <laughs> we'll go through each one of these in, in a lot more depth right now. So that way you guys can actually understand what we mean by each point as well. So when we talk about our key learning number one, which is that Amazon FBA inventory restrictions change often and cause us restock issues, but it also forces us to be creative about fulfillment. It wasn't as scary as people thought because everybody thought it was doom and gloom. Oh my God, I'm not going to be able to keep my inventory in stock. But all it really did was essentially it helped us think more, I guess, holistically about what we should be doing to keep our stock, you know, in stock and the inventory available so that way customers can buy it. So when they actually, uh, you know, did this, there was a couple of bonuses that kind of happened. So like, you know, people were actually usually just kept way too much stock in Amazon. So they were collecting long-term storage fees. And you didn't hear as many people complaining about that this year because they weren't able to really put any stock in. So they weren't getting long-term storage fees and they probably won't be in the next six months because there's going to be a lot of restrictions on Amazon for you to be able to send products in. And just because you sell well, it actually didn't mean that you could keep a high restock limit. Now it's going to keep that limit around what I think was a, like a two to three month amount that you could actually send in. But like if you, even if you had like 11,000 units sold in that time, like it kept a pretty strict lockdown on that number. You couldn't just send in 20,000 because you wanted to. It was like, you only can send in 11,000. So you'd have to send, if you were doing a reorder for the next three months, you'd have to sell 2,000 units to be able to send 2,000 units in. And that's kind of how it kept going. So you really had to pay attention to this. And then I specifically noticed this as well as some of our members, uh, it can change weekly. So like one week, mine was at like 1,250 for, for a brand new product. And I was like, great, now I can send in more. I ordered another 2,000. And then it was like, okay, now it's down to 840 because your sales 
they weren't, you know, drastically increasing every week. They kind of stayed, you know, stayed level. So they were kind of predicting for future growth, whereas my sales didn't grow as fast as Amazon predicted. So, and then it went back down. So then I couldn't send in any of my new inventory to this product for this product right away. So we had to make sure that we had to send an inventory as you could. So what did that mean? We had to move some stuff to a 3PL. We had to move some stuff to our homes or whatever. And then we just kind of had to ship stuff in as we could. And in, in reality, most people don't want to have to do this long-term because it is more hands-on effort. But in the end, you probably are saving some money a little bit here and there for storage fees. And you're definitely not getting charged long-term storage fees, which for a lot of people, when they first start out or you know start launching multiple products, they tend to over-order and they'll order like you know, six months or a year supply of stock thinking they're going to save money on cost of goods. And then they just try to ship it all onto Amazon. And lo and behold, they get, you know, $6,000, $10,000 in long-term storage fees, which can really hurt their business. So on top of having obviously no long-term storage fees that they normally have to pay for, and then having to just pay attention more to their inventory, you know, those are positive things, but that's not like the only thing we learned, but I don't know if you saw anything like this in your business or, you know, obviously your husband has an Amazon business, Kirsty, but you know, I, I didn't hear our members or, or, you know, too many forums out there complaining about long-term storage fees. All they kept complaining about is I need to send more stock in, which isn't the end of the world because you can actually do that as long as you have the stock available somewhere yeah. in the country of, of, of destination. Yeah, exactly. It, there's always a double-edged sword, right, with um, FBA over this, over this period because, as we know, you know, there are long-term storage fees. Either that or you're also getting charged um, extra for uh, storing your products at FBA over this period as well. Yeah, I right? think it's like two to four times depending on what the products are. So it's insane. Yeah, exactly. So, but if your stuff is literally flying off the shelves, then that's good. But then obviously you might have some products that are not as good. And that's probably what was being really affected anyway with um, having these, um, these inventory restrictions because it was really on the products that weren't moving through as quickly, right? So, yeah, I think um, there's definitely a silver lining in that. Also, in terms of what you, know, what you said there about just really having to manage a 3PL and FBA, over this period, number one, it gives you the, the straps to do it, the incentive to do it, because you have to do it. Um, but also you can then start to think about next year and say, well, you know, would it make sense for me to potentially use the 3PL to then be able to drip feed stock in so that we're not, you know, last minute air freighting stuff from China um, like we normally do, right? So yeah. I think it's given us a little bit more of um, experience a learning on how it works, a learning by fire, which is usually the best way to learn most of the time, because otherwise we would just never do it. Right. Yeah. So um, I think that's definitely a key learning for next year is on those, on those high selling items that, you know, you potentially might run out of stock, you know, should you actually, you know, where warehouse those in a 3PL save on those storage fees and then be able to, and have a, you know, have a great way to ship quickly into Amazon. I think that will be the key as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because a lot of people want to buy like containers and stuff. And it's like, well, if you do that, then you can't send it all to Amazon anymore like you used to be able to. Now you actually have to find solutions for that. And it really is one of those things that you never should have been trying to store a year's worth of supply into Amazon anyway because of those long-term surgeries. So yeah, now using a 3PL to get, especially if it's a fast-moving product, to get those things moved in, you know, you can save on cost of goods. Now you can save on some storage and you can actually ship it in quickly when it's ready to be, you know, sent into Amazon as well. Yeah. One thing, um, one in terms of a learning from certainly from the businesses, you know, that, that we have having done that as well, just, um, in terms of the drop in sales, um, because essentially, you know, when you're FBA, obviously you've got prime, you know, people are more likely to trust that. Well, mainly because guess what? They've got prime membership, so they're going to get the free shipping. So that's another th key thing that you can play with is pay for the shipping for your customers if that allows it in that in your profit in your um, profit margin. Because the key thing that people and we're going to come on to this in in a minute as well. The key thing that people were looking for this Christmas is, am I going to get it before Christmas? Yeah. So um, just being able to have that uh, reassurance that number one, I'm going to get it before Christmas. And then number two, I'm already a prime member. Why am I paying for shipping? So if yeah. I'm looking as a key factor, as a conversion factor, you know, I don't want to be paying for that shipping. So if you can also offer that to your customers, even when you're FBM, that's another good thing to think about and add that into your costs as well. Yeah, for sure. So key learning number two, using a request a review button. Um, 
think we call it the button or the function, whatever we want to call it in terms of from Amazon itself. Of course, this is something that's been around probably for the last six months now, yeah. maybe even eight months. Um, but it definitely works not only to get reviews in those normal times, but definitely in this peak period, because guess what? You're going to get it. You're getting loads and loads of sales. And essentially it's, it's such an easy way to request that rating from your customers. So you'll see an accelerated rate of getting those reviews in. So it's like we said, it seems very obvious, but still a lot of people are not using this function. Now, of course, if you're just using it through Amazon, itself that is a pain in the bum because basically you have to go into every order you have to click on it you have to request a review of course you don't want to be doing that you also don't want to be just using a va to do that either so there are definitely loads of tools out there that essentially help you amalgamate the way to be able to do it i know jungle scout does it uh viral launch does it i think even viral launch bundles it all up now so you just have to press once versus having to press every page even Jungle Scout, I think, has just launched that feature as well now. Yeah, it's actually um, automatic. So you just set it up once and they'll automatically, it just sends it out as soon as it's eligible. So that's pretty cool. Oh, that's even, yeah, even yeah. cooler. So exactly that. Just set it up. If it's something that you haven't done yet, make sure that you do it. Um, set it up. And especially after Christmas, when, guess what, people have started to use the products, that's when they're going to start coming through as well, right? So that's what you want to start doing is make sure that you're using that ongoing. And this is the time when you're going to get that acceleration, especially if you're just launching a product as well, right? Yeah, I think, you know, it's one of those things people are always complaining that they can't get enough reviews and enough ratings. And why would you want to put in those that effort? Like, I, I know on when you have to do it manually through orders, you can't actually tell when you, they're eligible to be shipped or, or to have that button pressed anyway. So, like, if it's it has to be like something like five days after delivery, I believe, or something like that. So, on some things when they're prime, it's like you can just go seven days after it was shipped, and you'd be like, okay, it's probably ready. But then, if it was you know FBM or if they weren't a prime member they could get it potentially five to 10 days later. So then you're like waiting two weeks to send that thing out. And you're like, this is just a pain. Cause like you could sit there and press the button and be like, this is not eligible. Then you go to the next one. It's like, this is not eligible. And you go to the next one. It's like, this one's eligible. Bam. And then like, you could, you can only have like, you might get like 20% of the orders that you're actually trying to, you know, request that on. So you could spend that time and do that, you know, every single day for seven days a week. Or you could just set this up through like jungle scout, like, like we were saying, or, or, you know, viral launch, right? Probably Helium 10 has it. I don't know. But these these companies have built the sins now so that you can usually pretty much either do it quickly by doing a whole page at one time, or you can actually just set it up and it just automates it. And that's what Jungle Scout does. And that's the one I use because I found that this was very painful and frustrating. And it was like, let's see if it'll increase my ratings. And sure enough, on a brand new product that I launched, maybe what now, just, just about three months ago, it's got over 100 ratings now. So that's about 30 a month. So one a day. And that I'll is, ta- I'll take that. Oh my God. That yeah. is way, <laughs> is way more than what we'd ever get in the past. Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, you, you, if you would get a hundred in the first six months, you'd be happy back in yeah. the, back in, you know, five years ago, because you yeah. just, you'd have to work hard. You'd have to that. sell, you'd have to sell a shed load to get a hundred. Exactly. Reviews. Yeah. No, I'm not saying you're not selling a lot, but I'm just saying. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, you cause it used to be like something like a one or 2% return on re- reviews. So you'd have to sell a hundred per day to get one review. So yeah. I'm not selling that many. I'm getting, you know, about a three to 4% or 5% return on reviews now. So that's just how you get to that point. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's brilliant. And I love the fact that it's an actual Amazon tool. Yeah. So there's, un- unless they decide to stop doing it, which, you know, you never know, but um, essentially they don't, they want their products to have reviews. That's the point, right? They just want you to do it in the right way and, yep. and from genuine sales, which. Yeah, and, and obviously they can still on brand new products, you can still use the early reviewer program and the vine program, but you can't use that for all, all products, right? So make sure you're using the request review for, for all products on top of any other things that you can use as well. Yeah, exactly. Cool. And so the key third key learning that we actually found from this period was that holiday shopping started earlier. Prime day started in October, which then essentially, instead of being in July, like normal, it really kicked off a three month kind of shopping frenzy. So, you know, uh, you know, COVID made it a lot harder to make sure goods were delivered on time. So people were like shopping early, like you said, they wanted to know, 
that they're going to get their presents by Christmas, like so they can wrap them and everything. So, you know, Black Friday was like a month now. Amazon even said, and retailers even said, you know, we're doing Black Friday month. So come in and shop now. You don't have to wait. And that really stopped a lot of that madness. I didn't see any crazy, like, you know, shopping stuff where people are fighting like normal, which is good because, you know, that's probably how you'd spread even more of the, you know, coronavirus. But um, the idea that all of that was kind of, easily managed this year versus like every other year when it seemed like it was like they actually wanted that kind of, you know, frenzy and hype. It was like this year, it was like, oh, well, let's just not make it a day. Let's make it a month or let's make it from October until December. And really people were just kind of shopping more solidly. Now you wouldn't have seen necessarily like, you know, gigantic spikes in sales right off the bat from October. But as soon as Prime Day kind of crept up, it was like, you'd see like this rise and it was just kind of like this nice big steady rise from like September to October, which was usually bigger for most people than any September to October before, for sure. And then it just kind of stayed high through all all through December, which is, you know, three months of, of we normally say quarter four is really only about six weeks long because you get like most of, uh, you know, about three weeks in uh, November and about three weeks of December that are like key shopping times. But this year it was more like three months long, which was exactly how you'd expect a quarter to react, right? And not just a couple of weeks. So it was kind of nice to have that, you know, bigger shopping window for people. And on top of everybody wanting to shop more online, it really did cause this, you know, massive push for like the last three months. Now that made processing and shipping in and all this other stuff a little bit more backed up. But Amazon was like prepared for it early because they saw what was happening over the summer. And so were other places like UPS and USPS. They actually hired more people. They were actually planning for this. They kind of knew it was coming. So it wasn't as bad as it could have been because normally at this time of the year, they're extremely understaffed because they don't want to hire seasonal workers. And essentially you just wait longer. This year I've had absolutely no problems with shipping from Amazon. I'm still ordering stuff almost every day off Amazon and it's still coming within two to three days almost every single time, which is insane because normally at this time, you're getting it five to seven days and you're just okay with that. Yeah. And just, you know, shopping myself. Now I'm definitely a late shopper. Like I just normally, I'm like, oh God, it's Christmas Eve. I better go and find something. You just got your gifts this morning, right? Yeah. No, well, actually I was actually organized. I was like, what is going, what is wrong with me? Like I've got to this age. I've finally, you know, everything's wrapped up. It's under the tree. I'm like, oh my God, that must be crazy. And it's what, with two days, three days before Christmas Eve or whatever. Which um, honestly, for me, that is amazing. I'm, I'm really proud of myself. <laughs> but essentially, you know, I was looking, I was, I was buying different things from from different places. Generally, Amazon, but there was some stuff that, um, like, for instance, matching pajamas. I was trying to find like matching Christmas pajamas. So I went on somebody else's website. I bought that. Is it here? Is it he- heck? Right? It's still t- stuck in China somewhere. I'm like, I didn't realize it was actually probably a website that was set up by a Chinese manufacturer. Yeah. It's got no chance of getting here for Christmas. I'm like, well, what's the point of that? Having a Christmas pajamas when it's not even Christmas, right? Yeah. And I've ordered a couple of other things as well that still haven't arrived. And I ordered them in November. So as a customer, I'm, I'm, I can imagine I'm not alone in that, right? So the more and more reliable, trustworthy Amazon is as a platform, the more that shoppers are always just going to go there for stuff. And so I think... Obviously, it's a learning for this period, but it's also a learning generally for, you know, the the future of, of e-commerce in terms of how people are able to, number one, obviously grow your business on Amazon, but how shoppers really trust that platform and for good reason, because you actually get your goods on time. And if you, if it comes and, you know, you're not, you don't like it, you can easily ship it back. It's just such an awesome shopping experience for people versus yeah. everywhere else. Yeah. And I actually did that too. I, I ordered something off of another major retailer website here in the U S and it was like, it'll be here by 20, the 23rd of December. I was like, cool. And I ordered it like maybe 10 days ago. And they're like, eh, I checked the tracking and it hasn't even shipped yet. I was like, so is it two days shipping? Because that's two days away. So we'll see what happens, but I, I don't anticipate it being here before Christmas now. No, nah, exactly. And that's like the thing. That's the exact thing that I saw. It was like, just hasn't moved. I'm yeah. like, okay, so have they just taken my money? And that's the other thing as a shopper, right? You're like, have they just taken my money? Is it just a, you know, a dud website or, you know, yeah. so I can imagine. And we're, and we're 
we're savvy e-commerce sellers. So it's kind of like, if you're thinking like that, can you imagine what other people may be thinking as well? So yeah, Amazon has definitely got it sewn up in terms of, like I said, reliability, trustworthiness. um, And those, you know, that those elements are the key things that are going to make sure that they win, especially as more and more people start shopping online. I just don't see that that because of, you know, with, with COVID, et cetera, people are seeing so how much, so much easier it is to just be able to get what you need from Amazon and not have to literally leave your house and go and go shopping into a big retail store. Yeah. And I've, I've met plenty of people this year that have said, I've never shopped on Amazon until this year. And I was like, first of all, how's that possible? <laughs> but second of all, yeah, I mean, that makes sense that this would be the year that you actually start doing it because you're starting to see that this you're going to need to order stuff online and not be going to stores as often sometimes. And in, in all honesty, retail stores might start closing down because of this type of stuff happening more and more. Now I'm not saying there's going to be a pandemic every year, but what I'm saying is there will be needs for people to shop online. Maybe it's mobility or, or whatever. And the less you can move and the less you can get someplace, the more likely you are to have things delivered to you. And I mean, there's like Grubhub, DoorDash and all these other food delivery ser- services already. Why isn't there obviously like, you know, more people using Amazon Prime, Pantry and all these other obviously services that bring stuff straight from Amazon to your door? Yeah, exactly. So just bear that in mind, guys, when, you know, you're obviously planning for 2021, um, but also the next Christmas season in 2021, because I can imagine a lot of people have had more of a stress-free shopping time. Yeah. And you kind of remember that, right? You're like, yeah, I don't want to be queuing up outside a store again. <laughs> yeah. on Christmas my Eve. wife was like, oh, we need to go to Target to buy something for my mom and her sister for um, Christmas. I was like, you know, we can buy anything we want on Amazon. We don't even have to leave the house. She's like, oh, yeah. I was like, I don't, how do I have to remind you about this, that it exists? It's <laughs> <laughs> funny. So our fourth key learning is, and we kind of touched on this, is timing your launch with when the sales uptake starts. And this can actually lead to a profitable launch right away with good reviews and ranking. I know you've launched a product in this in this time period. Um, my husband also launched a product in this time period. And basically what it means is that essentially, as we just said, you've got a flood more people coming in a lot earlier shopping on Amazon. Um, they're also looking for you know new products. They're not as price conscious either because they're buying gifts and we'll come on to that in a little bit, um, a little bit as well. Um, so what they're looking for is a great quality product that essentially meets their needs. And if you've got the right ranking at the right time and you're launching a product, then you're going to start to get those sales a lot earlier. Guess what? You've got that request to review button. And so as you start to get that volume um, of sales coming through, you start to get more reviews and basically you get a lot more leverage up from early. And because of the flood of um, people coming in and buying and buying, et cetera, it just makes that whole process a lot quicker and able to get to your max price a lot quicker too. And I think we've, we had one of our members, Denise, she had exactly the same um, experience. Um, and also a couple of people that we've worked with in the past, I noticed when they were posting in the forum as well, saying that they've had the same experience too. So definitely bear that in mind. If you're looking to launch a product, obviously make sure that your cash flow is there and you've got the right amount of cash for your existing products at that time. But in these high selling periods, it really does make sense because what you're doing is just riding on that surfing on that wave, right? Mm -hmm. And I always tell people, they're always like, well, why shouldn't I just wait? Because it's going to be more competitive during that time. I'm like, it's more competitive because there's more people. And that would be like saying, I I want to forego all the possible chances that I have of making money for the next six months, just so that way I don't have to compete. That's like the craziest thing you can actually do in e-commerce is wait until after quarter four to launch. I always tell people launch as soon as you can. Don't necessarily plan launches out to be like, late in quarter four, but if you can get them in October, early November, there's actually nothing wrong with that. And even if you have to launch late November, that's totally fine. Or even early December, you can still do it. Like we've seen people do it and be like, Oh my God, I'm glad I did because now I'm on page one. I'm getting like 20 sales a day versus if they waited until January, they still have to get past those same competitors and that same sales history that they just accumulated from quarter four. But now they just don't have the ability to do that because there's no customers anymore, or there's a, a lot fewer customers there. So it's like, if you're waiting, you're actually just, you know, you're waiting until low tide, which isn't going to change anything other than the fact that you just can't get this, the, the amount of sales that you want right away, which means it's going to be harder for you to actually get to where you want to be. 
So yeah, I think a lot of people get that mixed up in their head that it's more competitive. So they have to like try to sell more right away. And it's like, actually, because if you can get visibility using the launch processes, the PPC and all that stuff, the ads, you can actually get more sales through that process during this time. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, strategically, that is what I would actually plan for. I mean, bearing in mind, it has to be something that people want to buy somebody for Christmas, right? So if we're talking about dog food, maybe not. But think about those, you know, those small items that people, you know, want, you know, it's got to not necessarily be over 100 bucks, that type of thing, right? It's got to be something that is easily affordable for people um, that somebody might want to gift someone. But essentially, what that means is, is that you're, like we said, you know, you're just riding on the flood of traffic that's actually coming in. And so it can actually cost you less in the long term, because you're just basically making sure that you're going up those rankings at a quicker pace. And you're able to get to that price a lot quicker as well. That's definitely what everyone has seen when they've used the process that we talk about. Um, They've got there quicker and they've got to their maximum price quicker as well. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's just, it doesn't make sense to wait. So yeah. And it, these things don't have to be like necessarily what you might consider gifts either, because like I sell an ice scraper and people buy that thing for gifts for people. I'm like, what kind of weirdo buys an ice scraper? That's like the worst gift you can possibly give somebody, but they do. They're like, Oh, I'm gonna, it's a stocking stuffer. I'm like, you're a cheap bastard, but okay. Like you can go ahead and buy my ice scraper for their gifts or whatever. So yeah. Yeah, but you know, it's because you've set up your listing so well <laughs> that it appeals to people that love their cars, right? So that's yeah. who they're buying for. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's going to be funny when they get in, they're like, cheap bastard. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So yeah, upon after, you know, launching, obviously we have other processes that we have to build upon. And that's our key learning number five, which is having a great PPC systems, that's Amazon advertising, that'll help you dominate the competition and catapult your sales. So there's lots of different ways. Like, I mean, I don't even know how many ad placement types there are now. It's, it's got to be well over 20 or 30. Uh, but there's tons of different ways you can actually get your ads focused in different places on Amazon and different types and, 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 you know, even like how many ads you can get in one block. So you know, there's, there's video ads now that we actually have seen have performed very well. Um, it's actually legitimately the top ad campaign that I have for my new product. It's blowing everything else away. Like my ad for my video ad is killing all my other sales and, and ACOS. So I would, you know, I'd recommend even if it's not the world's greatest ad, get a video created and make it an ad because mine was homemade. I did some really pretty I wouldn't say great editing or anything. And I kind of just put some graphics over the top of it. And that thing is performing extremely well. So it's just because it takes up so much space. And if you're willing to put a little bit of money in it, you'll actually take that space up and you'll be able to kind of dominate that, that search result with just the video ad. Yeah. There's also, yeah, go ahead. Isaac, I just want to pop in there as well, because remember um, back a couple of episodes ago, when we were talking about how many people are shopping on mobile, right? And so a video ad on mobile really stands out. Um, so just double check that, you know, go and have a look on Amazon on your mobile and you'll see how much space that, that, that ad takes up and it, it, you can't do anything, but interrupt the purchase. Right. So, um, that's why I think that they're awesome at the moment. And even though they've been out for a while, not many people are still using them. Yeah. I think at least six months. And, you know, I think it's just because people are afraid that they have to create like a high quality professional type video ad. You don't. Like, it, I mean, that's what some of the big companies out there are doing, but I think it actually is a nice disruptor of, you know, like you say, like f- professional video ads, if you don't have a professional ad and you just do it like, like you'd expect, you know, I want to see what this product looks like in use and you just have people using the product, you're like, holy crap, like that's a bigger disruptor than like having all these flashy, like graphics and like cool animations and stuff come up using the product is a great video ad and those don't cost much to make because you can shoot that on your iPhone or your, you know, your smartphone, get a quick edit on, you know, some editing app out there. I think most, uh, most computers now even come with a free video editing software. So you can do that pretty quick, add some stock, you know, music below it or something or under it. Just make sure you get some captions in there to explain what you're kind of doing. If you don't have any voiceover or just do a quick voiceover. And you can have a 30 second to 45 second video ad that essentially converts really well. So I highly recommend it. Um, you know, the other things that you can focus on are where your ads show up. So 
I think one of the biggest things that people are kind of failing at is the product ads that can be placed on other products. And we call these like ASIN, ASIN targeted or, or product targeted ads. And a lot of people also forget that if you want to stop your um, competitors from stealing your sales, you can actually even advertise on your own ad or on your own listing. So that way you are, you're, you're there in two spots on your listing. So that way nobody can kind of take that spot from you, but it is a really good idea to, you know, have video ads against competitors that you can compete well with. Like, for example, if there's a top competitor that sells for like $5 less than you and they've got 20,000 reviews and you've only got 15, you probably don't want to put a, a, an ad necessarily on their listing but if it's more close, like you have a hundred reviews and you know, they're, you're a dollar less than them, you have a reason that you can actually now put your ad on their page and potentially get somebody to buy. So if you have a good strategy about where you can put your ads, so you know, top of search is always great, but then even on page two, page three, those are other page placements that can work. You can put them on people's product listings. You can be in the, the related um, string. So it's like, products related to this or sponsored products related to this product. And you can be all over these pages without having to really invest a ton of money on like top of search, for example, because those ones usually cost less than the top of search because top of search is where everybody wants to be. So you have many options. You don't just have one spot that you can advertise for. And if you do this and you invest on those converting keywords and those converting placements, then you can actually spend more on ads to create a bigger kind of profit and sales windfall than you'd actually expect and imagine because you're actually getting it for cheaper than you were if you were just focusing on top of search, for example. And, you know, having a system like that and understanding how to be able to build out your ads and your placements and where you're, you're, you're actually showing to customers. I mean, you can, you know this because we, we've actually talked about how, you know, even JF, your husband has actually done this with, with the help of another company we use that has, he's got to a million sales in a month. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he, he um, started to dominate, like you said, in terms of all the different placements. And then the other key thing was just really understanding his search term report, right? So really understanding the keywords that he was converting the best on that you might not necessarily think are the main keywords. Yeah. And so what that helps you to do is to dominate in areas on pages organically as well as with ads because um, obviously you know if you're if you're ranking for these things and you're spending money on it and you start to get sales then your organic ranking comes as part of that as well um, on, on keywords that necessarily his product other people that are selling his product are not currently visible right so um, and I had this with one of my products as well it's you know it's not necessarily what the thing is it's just ranking for kind of higher level keywords or real long tail keywords that brings sales, but no one, there's no other product of that type that's on that page, right? Yeah. So just for like an example, it might be like my ice scraper. So people were buying it for stocking stuffers. So if it was like car stocking stuffers and yeah. I was on page one of that, I might be getting 10, 15, 20 sales a day without even knowing that I'm ranked on that page because I either have organic search and, and buy history there or you know, my auto campaign is actually going out there and advertising on that and getting me a bunch of sales for it. Yeah. So one of mine is stocking stuffers for soccer. That's a, that's a tongue twister, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, now it's a massage ball, right? So how would I know that that would be a stocking stuffer for soccer? Mm -hmm. Right. I just wouldn't know that. Um, but there's loads of different things and it's got like high, high search volume then there's loads of different things on that page, but there's only one massage ball. And so therefore people are looking at that and going, oh yeah, well, yeah, maybe if, if you think about, and this is why we always talk about the ideal client. If the ideal client is someone that's into soccer and one of their mates or their family members is buying them for them for Christmas, it's like, yeah, they might want a massage ball. They might want a, um, I don't know, a goalpost <laughs> or uh, I can't really stuff that into a stocking, but um, <laughs> some socks or whatever that are studs for your boots or whatever that is. Right. So you could just imagine a whole page filled, filled with that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So um, they're going to buy probably a bunch of those things, not just the one thing, which yeah, I think I, is really cool. And I went on Amazon. Like I said, we were looking for some, some guests for Angeline's mom. And I just typed in like 
gifts for mother-in-law, gifts for mom, Christmas for mom or whatever. And just looked and it was like all the same stuff. And it was like stuff you wouldn't actually buy for your mom or any mom that you know. It's like, you know, there, there's a couple of things like massaging neck pillows and stuff, but most of the other stuff was like weird stuff like Himalayan rock salt lamps. And I'm like, I'm not going to buy that. That's so cheesy. Like, why isn't there something like more diverse here? Like th- th- there's not only two or three, you know, options for moms out there. So like if you were actually had a gift that you thought was, or a product that you thought would be a great gift for a mom, you go out and advertise on those and you could probably pick up quite a bit of sales because it's better than what's there. Like literally I was like, these are the most boring products I've ever seen. I wouldn't buy this for anybody because I'd feel like an idiot for having bought this. So yeah. <laughs> but maybe a mom wants one. <laughs> yeah, probably. There's probably people out there that want them, but I'm like, that's very, that's very, like if you, if that's your choice, you're not really putting any thought into it. Cause I, I guarantee at no point has your mom or your mother-in-law ever said to you, man, I really wish I had like an aromatherapy <laughs> lamp or a rock salt lamp. That's really what I want for Christmas. Guarantee that that's not, <laughs> not happening. It's never happened. <laughs> okay. If there's any moms listening and you're like, I really want a, <laughs> what would you call it? Himalayan rock salt lamp. Yeah. <laughs> Let us know. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, in terms of using this strategy, I'll come back to the point. What was it? Key learning number five. It's actually, I think this one is one of the, the key things that can set you apart from your competition, especially in this period. Like, as we said, my husband really got focused in on this. And I'm not saying everybody can do this, but it got to a million dollars in 30 days. Literally, we just celebrated last night. We were like, yeah. Um, but, and at a high profit margin as well. So, that's that's the key is, is kind of figuring out these little little things that you can do in terms of being able to dominate the platform. Like we say, we always say this, it's not about sending Facebook ads in or setting up, setting up many chat bots and all this other stuff. Like if you just get really focused on where the customer is shopping and buying on Amazon, those are the types of the results that you can you can start to either work towards or even, even get in your business and realize mm-hmm. in your business. So then key learning number six is planning ahead. I know we always talk about this. It's not very sexy, but essentially plans work, right? So planning ahead and accurate forecasting is going to help you avoid running out of stock and also making sure that you've got that logistics plan to have your FBA stock ready to go, right? So we always talk about planning ahead. But again, like I say, it's worth repeating because how many people actually ran out of stock this year? If you're kind of sat there listening to this and going, oh, yeah, I did actually. Yeah, I didn't have my 3PL sorted. Um, or I did and they, you know, they didn't ship out because I didn't understand their lead times and all this other stuff, right? Especially with the, the inventory restrictions this year, it made it even harder for us. So quick tips. And we've got, you know, a few podcasts as well where we go into this in, in in-depth detail. But essentially, plan at least six months ahead with your supplier And how do you actually do that? Well, make sure that you check your uplifts from previous years. If you've been selling in the past um, couple of years, usually the uplifts, regardless of, you know, how many people are flooding in, the percentage uplift on your sales is usually pretty much the same. And I saw that in my business this year. My husband saw it in his business, even though he got to that level. We never quite fully believed that it would literally come off, but we planned for that to happen, if that makes sense, right? make sure that the stock was in with the caveat that, well, okay, if we, if you don't sell as much, then that'll just give me enough stock for the next three months after that period as well. Right. So you've got to be thinking about, okay, what did I do last year? What was my percentage uplift? Does that make sense now based on, you know, what I've been seeing in my baseline sales? That's number one. If you haven't launched your products yet, then go back and look at uh, product sales on, like products like yours, right? So what did they do last Christmas? And you can use tools like Jungle Scout to have a look at that as well. And just have a look at the the percentage uplift as well. And make sure that you've got that all ready to go, all planned out, worked out with your supplier, lead times, contingency plans, all that type of thing. Even if you don't believe it's going to come off, plan for it. Because guess what? It won't come off if you haven't got the stock, right? (laughs) Exactly. And, and the only time it's like never going to work and, and you don't plan properly is if like, for example, your product has just tanked over the last year, right? So you're like, oh man, I haven't really kept up with my my product and my sales are like massively lower than what they were last year already. But the percentage of uplift should still technically be the same. It just means yeah. that you could probably even do better if you actually 
got that shit together and, and fix that product. Right. So that kind of rolls into key learning number seven, which is your page one organic keyword ranking for your main keywords is absolutely still a sure way to get profitable sales through periods of high sales, Diane. And obviously with using PPC, as we mentioned earlier, this will ensure that you get the visibility you need, but also helps you understand that if you just keep your ranking high on your main keywords, you'll actually be able to stabilize your sales and understand when you're going to go up and when you're going to go down and how much. So like you said, if, if it's 30% increase or 130% increase or 200% increase, you know that because you're stably in the same spot. You're stably in the same spot. I guess that might be a word. I have no idea. You're in the same spot every year or roughly speaking. And so that way you kind of can just say, look, okay, everything's the same, but now this year's sales all overall have been 20% up from last year. So I need essentially 20 more percent than what I sold last quarter four to be ready for this quarter four. Now you, you have to realize that quarter four is probably 100% uplift from September and quarter three. But if each of your sales from that year are 20% higher, you just base that off of, hey, last year I was X amount percent higher than my normal sales. And this year I'm going to be 20% higher than that then you know exactly how much inventory to order because your main keywords are stabilized. Your, your positions are essentially never going anywhere. You haven't changed anything. You haven't lost any sales volume. You haven't lost any growth. And in reality, as long as Amazon keeps, you know, there's, there's not hundred percent saturation in the market because hundred percent of the customers aren't using Amazon. Right. So not everybody in the world is using Amazon. So until that becomes the thing, you should still be able to see, you know, a pretty good trajectory of growth because there's going to be more people adopting the platform and buying on Amazon every single year until they get to 100% saturation, which I don't think will actually technically ever happen unless we live in some sort of dystopian type of world where Amazon rules everything and then shuts everything else down. And then we're all slaves to Amazon, which it's not entirely out of the question, but I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. Got George Orwell on the yeah, exactly. uh, podcast today. <laughs> yeah, I think there was actually uh, there was a Philip Philip K. Dick or Philip Dick. I can't remember his, 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 but he was an author like around the same time as George Orwell that kind of predicted something very similar, with like yeah. one factory ruled the whole world or something like that. Which is great. <laughs> was it called Jeff Bezos? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was called Zonaman or something like that. Exactly, <laughs> so close. I don't know how he didn't get it right. <laughs> Zonaman. <laughs> yeah. We should, we should like make those figurines for next year. That'd be funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so then key learning number eight is price testing, not discounting is a great way to maximize sales and profit. So what do we mean by this? Well, most people, you know, they're like, oh, it's Black Friday or it's Cyber Monday. How much should I, you know, take off my price to basically get people to buy it? But guys, get, get this. Most people won't know what your price is normally. Now, of course, if you're like way more expensive than everyone else, they might think it's not such a great deal. But the point is, don't feel like you have to, you know, slash your prices, put massive deals on, massive coupons, etc., to be able to maximize your sales over Christmas. Because like we've just said, there's floods and floods of traffic. The shopper is a completely different shopper to a normal shopper on Amazon. They're shopping for other people. So what they're really looking for is great quality. So of course your product has to deliver on that. So your reviews are very important. So great quality, your listing has to deliver on that. So it has to be, it has to look like something that you want to buy, right? It has to com clearly communicate what the benefits are to your ideal customer, because when you're shopping for someone else, you're thinking about the person that you're shopping for. Remember that, right? They're not looking at all those features and technical details because if I'm shopping for, I don't know, a karaoke machine for someone, right? I'm thinking about how they're going to use it. I'm not thinking about, oh, has it got how many gigahertz on the whatever, right? <laughs> because how would I know? It's not the thing or the speaker that I'm looking for, right? I, I'm just looking for, is it going to do flashing lights and are people going to have a good time with it? That's what I'm thinking, right? Sounds so like you recently bought a karaoke machine. I did. Well, <laughs> I, I ended up not with the machine in the end. We ended up buying the whole system like with, <laughs> so I've got more uh, um, Bluetooth mics now that we can use for our That's workshops. Funny. <laughs> but yeah so that's the kind you know you're looking for the experience you look you're thinking about the person that you're shopping for and how they're going to use it and the benefit to them so really remember that so the price is important but in terms of um being in the ballpark but this is when you can actually play around with it 
and they're not going to buy the cheapest. I know as a shopper, I'm not going to go for the cheap ass one because I'm going to be a bit worried. It's like buying a bottle of wine, right? You go to a restaurant. If you're there with by yourself, would I buy a bottle of wine just for myself? Um, <laughs> but, you know, maybe I'll buy the cheap one. If I'm there with a bunch of, ma- of my friends, I'm not going to go for the cheap one because I just feel like a cheap ass, right? So I'm looking for like not the most expensive, but the mid uh, something in the mid range. I have no idea what it tastes like. I've got no idea with the, you know, I don't know, the tannins and the notes and all this other crap, right? But basically, I'm like, I don't want to look like a cheapskate. So you want, you're thinking that in that mid-range, it's going to be good quality. So it's exactly the same mindset when people come in. So this is one key thing that I always do is test the price, elastic, what we call the price elasticity. Be competitive to start with in terms of you don't want to be more so more expensive than everyone else. And then as the season starts to go and more people start to flood into the market, generally, it tends to be probably the two weeks leading up to Christmas and that is when you can really start to profit max your products as well. So just test it, go up by a dollar and see how many people keep buying, then test it again. And in this period, I've actually had products where I've gone up in price and I sell more because it's gone up in price. Mm-hmm. Now, doesn't necessarily mean that that's going to be the same all year round, but this is a great time to not only maximize your sales, but make sure that you get that profitability back as well. Yeah. And when we talk about this a lot, because Normally speaking, in listings, you don't talk about it necessarily being gifts. You don't think about it necessarily in terms of somebody buying it for somebody else because that's not your ideal client. However, when you do that, you know, talk about the the ideal client experience. Other people that are shopping for that person understand that that's the the essential uh, result of them buying that gift for them. So you still have the kind of same listing, but it, that price is one of those things that. They're not necessarily going to know that, like you said, they'll, they'll want to pay more. So that way it appears like it's more valuable. So when you actually go up in price during this time and people are buying it for other people, that is one of the only times per year, like during the year. And, and, you know, maybe you have peak seasons outside of quarter four, but during those peak times, you might be able to raise the price only because people aren't necessarily shopping for themselves at that point. Sometimes they're actually shopping for other people. Like in the summer, they might buy inflatable, you know, rafts or tubes for, for kids because they're going on a, a, a rafting trip or going to a pool or something, but they don't look at the, the best, you know, the cheapest product necessarily it might be like, Hey, it's a, it's a gift for, you know, my nieces and nephews or something. They'll look for one that looks like it's high quality, even if it's $20 more, for example, in that particular product. Um, so yeah, it is something that you can actually go out there and look around and, and see like, what is my competition doing? Are they staying pretty generally even with their price or are they raising their price? Well, try to look around in that kind of, you know, price scale of what they're doing and then see where you can fit and look like a more valuable or a better gift for somebody else during quarter four. That might change as soon as January comes, but at least during this time from, you know, October through December, depending on when the shopping period starts for, you know, 2021, you will actually be able to see if you can actually get more sales at a higher price, which um, you might find out the hard way. Like for example, if you lower your price to try to get more sales because you think that you're not getting the conversion rate you want because you you think that you're too expensive and you lower your price and then you get even worse ratings and in, 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 in conversion rates, then you're like, okay, let me raise my price. Even though I just lowered my price for two weeks to try to increase my conversion rate in, in sessions, let me raise it. And then you're like, oh man, I wish I would have raised it first because I would have actually got increased, you know, prices, sales, all that stuff. And actually I've just done this with my, my brand new product and found that it actually has gone up by about 25% in sales just by raising it by $2. So it really had no, there was no reason to lower the price. What was the problem was I think was I needed to raise the price to look like I was in the the value of what people were actually shopping for during quarter four. So that is firsthand experience that I've just had. And I just changed it on Friday because I was like, you know what? I'm going to sell for like the, the highest price that I can sell for, in my opinion. So let's see what happens. And I did that. And it just, it started selling 25% better in the last three days. Yeah, exactly. It, again, I think it's that shopper mindset. It's, mm-hmm. it's, you don't want, you know, and, and you know, it's a great quality product. So yep. this is the thing, guys, we're not saying here, sell a crap product and then put the price up, right? It has to be a great quality product. Um, it has to do exactly what it says it's going to do and over deliver on that from that perspective. Mm-hmm. So don't think you can put a crap product on there, charge shed loads of money for it, because it'll come back to you in January when everybody sends it back and you get bad ratings. Yeah. But, and then you can't sell the product anymore. Exactly. 
Um, but really what we're saying is it's you're just playing to the mindset of the customer at that point in time, which is awesome for us as sellers because that the mindset is, yeah, I want to be, I want to make sure that this is a higher quality product and price pl- plays a big part in that. Because again, I think we've said this on you know numerous podcasts. Price is part of the marketing mix, whether that be the shopper at that point wanting a discount or the shopper at that point wanting a higher price. You have to think of it as part of your marketing mix. Mm-hmm. Exactly right. Cool. So that's the eight learnings that we got from this period. And we probably have more, but those were kind of the key ones that we wanted to focus on. So just to recap, key learning number one was that Amazon FBA inventory restrictions changed often. So obviously we had to pay more attention to our inventory. It did cause restock issues, but you know, we had to be creative and it wasn't as scary as people thought, like it wasn't the end of our business. Uh, key learning number two was request a review. Using that works really well, especially during peak sales periods, because then you get more of them happening more often. Uh, key learning number three was holiday shopping started earlier. So it meant that the sales period was actually longer. So you might not see as big as spikes in certain areas, but you probably saw an overall lift for three months versus normal years. Uh, the timing of launch was key learning number four. So you can actually time the launch with your sales uptake from October now, instead of just waiting until early November. And that can actually lead to an accelerated profitable launch right away and good reviews and good ratings. And then key learning number five was having a great PPC system will help you dominate the competition and catapult your sales and profitability. If you do it right, know your placements, know what you're looking for. And especially using video ads really, really helps. Key learning number six is planning ahead and accurate forecasts. We're actually going to help you avoid running out of stock and having your logistics plan, you know, to have your FBA stock refilled is crucial. So you can't wait until you're down to like, you know, a couple hundred, you actually have to send in more as you're actually running down. So like if you, if you sold 300 units out of your FBA stock, well, send 300 more in it, like right away. Don't wait till it's all the way down to, you know, four or 500 or 200. You can send it in more because you now usually for the for most people had the stock in the same country. Number seven, key learning number seven was making sure your page one organic keyword ranking is high for your for your main keywords, because that is still a surefire way to get profitable sales through periods of high sales demand. And number eight, key learning number eight was price testing, not discounting is a great way to maximize sales and profit. You can play with it. You actually have a little bit more functionality with your price than normal because people are shopping for other people. And that can actually lead to a great you know, quarter four and a better profit margin than you can actually get through any other quarter. So remember guys, now that you're armed with this information, it's your job to implement it into your business and grow your business through action. Also, if you're looking for some absolutely free training on what it takes to have a successful business to feel your lifestyle, head to www.goteamreal.com to download our free training today. Guys, we'll see you next week for the next Sprint to Profit episode. And as always, we wish you the best for you and your business. Bye for now. Don't forget to subscribe. And if you would like to get more information about selling on Amazon, head to goteamreal.com for some absolutely free training.